The thing I love about Sauce Garden, I'm gonna tell y'all fellas, man. Oh man, the kid got perfect size, you know. Um, he got great size, great ability, great agility, man. But you know, is he my favorite corner? No, 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 no. And I really see a few flaws, man, on this guy's game that I really don't, I really don't like. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show live again, streaming here on WNSC Radio. Myself, my ride partner, Michael Gray, yet again, back at it again. This is season four, episode 12 of our great show. We've got two great guests for you guys today. And of course, one of our favorite guys, again, Mike, coming on the show, uh, the guru himself. But um, nevertheless, we're back at it again. And what a time to be alive, Mike. All sports are in full swing right now. 100%, man. All sports in full swing. It's a great time. You know, this this, this springtime in full effect. Obviously, summer's arising. It's on the way. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing time, man. It's dope. Absolutely, absolutely. 100%. 100% for, for sure there. Um, lots of things that is going on um, for sure. But... Of course, let's start off with the main event that's going on in the world of sports. And obviously, that is the NBA. My goodness, man. Some people have been saying, Mike, you know, is these playoffs going to be okay? LeBron James isn't in it, this, that, and the third. But we haven't been disappointed at all. I've, I've always said, Mike, the league is in good hands. A lot of these guys that are 20, age 25 and under already tasting the, the playoff scene. They're already having success, and and it, it the, the the league's gonna be in good hands for quite some time for sure. Hundred percent. It's too much talent. There's too much skill set. There's too much competitive fervor between these teams, and there's too much camaraderie that you're seeing from a, a team perspective. Uh, for when it comes to the team, if the team's advancing so far, it's just it's just too much competitive fervor. I mean, when you think about the situation with the the Atlanta Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and now they're. Uh, they they just got bounced out in the first round. That's competitive balance. It's just so competitive, and because of that, it, it makes it even harder to get to a championship. And you got to relish those moments when you get there. So it's just it's it's fun to watch. It just makes for very competitive basketball. Yep, for sure, for sure, definitely there. Uh, let's start off obviously round by round, matchup by matchup. We'll start off with the Eastern Conference. Obviously, there as well. And obviously, the biggest headline that's in the East is your beloved Brooklyn Nets getting swept. The Bruins came out on Monday night in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Boston taking charge and advancing to the second round. 116-112 in game four. We finally saw glimpses of the true Kevin Durant. But, Mike, he shot 13 for 31, missed 18 shots. That's been the telling story of the entire series. It's just been a miserable, miserable 
series for Kevin Durant, the great Kevin Durant that is a future first ballet Hall of Famer. Um, he didn't get enough help from the others outside of Bruce Brown and Steph Curry. But uh, what, 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 what happened, Mike? What, 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 what really happened? Well, it was a combination of things. One, you have a you have a, a situation with the Brooklyn Nets, who have been out of sorts all season long. They haven't had consistent lineups. They haven't had consistent cohesion throughout the team all season long. And you saw it spill out in the first round, uh, right right in front of us. Whether it comes to the players, all through the coaching staff, this team was not on one accord all season. It was it was too much, too many distractions, too much going on, too many injuries. This, then the third. Uh, you know, trades and stuff like that. There was too much going on for this team to focus and lock in on, on being a cohesive unit and making sure that they had a championship mindset leading into the playoffs. Uh, that that's not the case for the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics have been trending upward ever since Jan ever since early January. Uh, when it comes to offensive and defensive efficiency ratings and just overall success and impact on winning. Uh, Jason Tatum was playing great. Marcus Smart, obviously defensive player of the year. Uh, you, you just saw their impact on, on all levels, and you saw the, the camaraderie and the cohesion that this team has and how, how close-knit they were and the impact that they have. When it comes to, you know, winning that game one, that game one was so back and forth. You saw, you saw it was, that was the fill-me-out game in the this, in this series. But Celtics finding a way to win that game one, at, it will, albeit at the buzzer or not, gave them uh, immense confidence going into the next game. And you saw this team get stronger and stronger as the series went on. This Celtics team, ever since Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have come into the NBA, they've gone through some very tough, rugged, competitive basketball playoff competition. And they've been, they've been, more, than, um, they've been more than ready for this moment. Once they shored up a couple pieces, bringing back Daniel Tice in the trade. Once they, uh, you know, paired him back with Al Horford, obviously bringing him back this year. Getting Ime Udoka this year as a coach. They they shored up some pieces to go with the core of, you know, Brown, Tatum, and Smart. These who were who just battle-tested and they got stronger and stronger as the series went on. But you just saw a team that was more physical. They were more hungry. They were more together. And they were much more... Um, you know, just smarter in their approach and from a coaching perspective as well. On all facets, the Boston Celtics looked like a much better unit than the Brooklyn Nets on the court, on the sidelines, in the, in the, in the upstairs and in the upper management. Everything was going right for the Boston Celtics, and they were just the class of this um, of this series because of how inept the Brooklyn Nets were um, on both sides of the floor, and you know, just um, when it comes to coaching as well. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent, Mike. Boston, man. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about this topic, but nevertheless, man, <clears throat> defense and this this defense is suffocating. They did something to Kevin Durant that I don't think could be done. You know, you gotta have the personnel. You gotta have. Boston has five guys. That switches everything, and, and they they go nine deep, and their their lone liability is Pat is probably Peyton Pritchard, right? And and he only plays about fifteen to twenty minutes, um, if so, in, in in a game. But you look at their lineup, man. Their smartest guy is Marcus Smart, and he's six five, but right. he's the defensive player of the year. Everybody right. else is massive. They're big. They switch everything. They're like little gnats, Mike. You know, you ever see Nats like gang up on somebody and they come as packs and then they just attack? But this defense is suffocating. They did something to Kevin Durant. I don't think it could be done. Bodies. He saw bodies, Mike. One in front of him and one on the rear of okay. him. Whether it was Grant uh, Grant Williams, whether it was Al Horford on a switch, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, Mike. Jason Tatum took the assignment and said, mano y mano, I'm going to take the challenge and I'm going to guard the best player in Kevin Durant. One of the biggest knocks on, on JT coming out of Duke was, yes, he was a polished scorer and he can score with the best of them. Um, and they saw that, uh, uh, well, trajectory in his future. They said that defense was a liability. And he even said, Mike, he said, it's all about effort. And boy, he showed max effort. And I think he needs to be in one of those all-NBA all defensive lists. Like he's he's been that good on the end of the floor. And to think, Mike, they wanted to break up Tatum and Brown a few months ago. Y'all know you remember the whispers. I know you remember the whispers. Could you even believe that they wanted to break this duo up? But 
it's just a joy watching this team play basketball, man. They they play defense. And I I, I personally think Mike, they're they're the team to be in the East right now. After what I've seen from from what I after what I seen from round one, if they play that type of basketball and the officiating, the officiating, that's a key thing too. If the officiating continues to let Boston be physical like that, man, I I uh, I think the East in trouble and the league might be in trouble, whoever they face out of the West in the finals, because that that that's that's gonna be a tall task to overcome. Yeah, it sure is, but 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 it's still it's still some very competitive uh championship grit in that uh conference already. When you think about yeah, you know, the obviously the Milwaukee Bucks who you guys will have to face in the next round once they get rid of the Bulls tonight. You have the uh Miami Heat who have been looking very sound, very, very uh, cohesive and, and very sharp defensively as well. And then, so it's, it's 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 some it's some tough matches out there, but the way Boston's playing right now, with the star power that they have to be able to score the ball in crunch time, whether it's Tatum, Brown, who whoever the case may be, uh, knockdown shooters, I, I think they they do have an an upper hand as of right now. But we will see. This is a tough series uh, coming up against the Bucks, and this 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 series, uh, Celtics versus Bucks, could definitely determine who goes to the finals. Absolutely, there for sure. The Bucks looking to. Um... Wrap up the Bulls tonight, game five. Miami clinched their spot to the second round, <clears throat> awaiting the winner of the Raptors in the Philadelphia series. Uh, they'll host that series, game one in Miami, sometime uh, later on next week or this weekend. Speaking of Philly and Toronto, Mike, we, we, we got to talk about this. Man. <laughs> we got to talk about this. Like, Did you know? Let's, let's focus on Doc Rivers, Mike. Okay. Did you know Doc Rivers has lost seven uh nine excuse me doc rivers has lost nine game sevens nine game sevens since winning a, a title with boston in 2008 that that seems like a long time ago right that's 14 years ago oh. and did you also know mike oh by the way <laughs> all time most all time did you also know mike doc rivers has you know lost four three one commanding leads He's blown four three one leads, four three one leads. Now the first one with T Mac and and the Magic, T Mac was by himself. They were facing the the Detroit Pistons. You know, Trayson Prince, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups. You know, the list. Oh, okay, he 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 gets a pass on that. They, you know, I know what they were going up against. That's that's one of the best defensive teams ever. Okay, you get a pass on that. But twice with the Clippers. Last year with Philadelphia. That's four. That's four right there, right? That's four right there in total, Mike. That's that's most all time. <laughs> that's that's most all time. And no team in the NBA, Mike, has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. But Mike, I tell you, my boy, if there was any guy or any team to do it, you probably pinpoint you if you had to guess, boy. I'm pretty sure you put your name on Doc Rivers. They cannot do – they can absolutely not blow this. What happened in game five was unacceptable. That was despicable. The Raptors were without Fred Van Vliet, and they went into the Wells Fargo Center in game five, and they won that ball game. I have no faith in them, Mike, honestly, to win game six. We're going to look at a game seven back in Philadelphia for all the marbles. And Joel Embiid? I don't want to hear anything about your finger, your neck, your thumb, uh, uh, your back spasm, legs. It's always it's always something with Joel Embiid. I, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it, it, James Harden, all the pressure about you not showing up in 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 ball games, like like Doc Rivers, Mike. He's got a bad rap sheet in Game Sevens too, and 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 Doc Rivers. Those three guys are under pressure because I, I have no faith in them going into Toronto in that building. You know Jurassic Park going to be going crazy. I have no faith in them that going to win that game six. But when they come back to Philadelphia in game seven, pressure will mount on them, Mike, because, again, I, you know, it's baffling to me, Mike. All those things I listed to you has most all time right after Doc Rivers for the wrong reasons. And not only that, Mike, this guy continues to get jobs after jobs after jobs after Doc. Think about it like this. If he hadn't won that, that title in Boston, how would we look at Doc Rivers? We, we got to think about that, right? Can we seriously say that the big three might have, including Rondo, might have made Doc Rivers who he is today? 
I get it. He's a player's coach. I understand that. You know, players like playing for Doc Rivers, but you know, do, how, how how do we look at Doc Rivers, Mike? That that's 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 a real question. Um, how do we look at Doc Rivers? That's interesting. I mean, we ask this question a lot around this time in the playoffs because we usually get put in a similar type situation where he's in a position where he's breaking records for all the wrong reasons over the last few years. It seems like that's the trend for Doc Rivers during this time of year when when it comes to basketball. But, um. I, I actually believe that they have the upper hand in game six, and I'm going to tell you why. I think Toronto actually had the upper hand in game five for multiple reasons. One, because for the home team, game five is actually kind of an emotional, emotionally tough because you're traveling back expecting to potentially have get the sweep, but you didn't get it, so you feel like the negative, you, didn't, you don't really, you feel like you shouldn't even be playing this game. So emotionally, I don't think they were ready for that. And not only that, I do believe Toronto has an upper hand defensively when Fred Van Vliet is not in the lineup. Now, Fred Van Vliet did not play in game five. So that that enhanced Toronto's defense, especially on the perimeter uh, defensively, and that which is why Philly only scored 88 points uh, th- throughout the total game. That defensively, Toronto was, was stifling on, on all levels. And I do believe Fred Van Vliet coming back in game six, if he is to play, that could potentially help them offensively if he's knocking down shots. However, if he's not, he's out there as a liability because defensively he's been uh, picked on a lot in this series, especially the first couple few games um, in, in the matchups when they were in Philly. So if Fred Van Vee plays, I would pick Philly to win. But if he doesn't and Toronto goes back out with those 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 pressure matchups and that size that they put out there, that, that, could, bowl, that could bowl big time trouble for them. And um and I don't I don't know if I don't know if Philly will ever recover from that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do lose this series heavy. But don't be surprised if Doc River wasn't fired the, the next hour. Not even the next day. He would he probably wouldn't survive the next day as a as the Philadelphia head coach if they were to lose this series after leading the three of. So um I think they're gonna win game six because the matchups favor, but uh when it comes to these three, like you said, man, you just never know sometimes. Now, granted, I picked Toronto to win the series. I said Toronto in six. That was the one first-round matchup that I said that that's the upset that I'm picking. But when it was 3-0, Mike, I said this series is over. Joel Embiid looks like a world beater. Um, I, I said Jokic should be back-to-back MVPs, but Joel Embiid had me thinking, like, okay, maybe I was wrong. But you, you got to think to yourself, Mike, Doc Rivers, like, you cannot let this happen. You cannot let this happen. And James Harden has been bad. He's been bad, Mike. Like, oh yeah, no. I, 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 I think we got to start realizing that James is is in, is starting to go into decline. Like he he doesn't have that first step that he used to have in in Houston. You know what I'm saying? This is the lowest points he's averaged, Mike, since his first year in Oklahoma City, right when he was a bench player. Since then. He's won three scoring titles and an MVP. So he, he's been lights out, won an all-time great as a scorer. But those days for him blowing by you and getting at the rim, those days are over. Uh, he, there's, there's, he can still pass. He can still facilitate. And at times he can still be deadly as a three-point shooter. But he's not the same guy, Mike, anymore. And now Toronto and and this is this is why I was saying, Mike, that I like Toronto in this series because of their, their defensive scheme. You let that guy and that coach figure out something and let Toronto get back in the series, boy, it's gonna look tough. It's 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 gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for 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 the Sixers. I, I think they're done in game six. We're gonna have to go back in game seven and see what happens because Doc Rivers, this this is that that's that's gonna be a legacy moment for him in that game seven. I, no doubt about that. Yeah, it sure would. It sure would if it came to that. I, I definitely agree. And you're right about James Harden. That first step is just not there anymore. And um, he he he's more he more is more so regular regulated to becoming a a, a, a pure point guard and um you know a, a pass first type of type of score you know in in a sense when it comes to the guard position. So you know his 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 game is limited. The, the, the defenses and teams in the league have caught up caught up to his um. His scoring ways and his his ability to manipulate the referees and trying to get calls and the defenders are catching up to the to, to the game plan. So you know this is this is the James Harden that we should be accustomed to to seeing for for the near future. And um, 
mean, when it comes to Philadelphia, they everything really really runs through Joel Embiid. Definitely, definitely, that for sure. Let's shift to the Western Conference, Mike. Well, I think this is probably <laughs> the biggest surprise out of everything. The Pelicans, Mike, uh, before last night had tied it 2-2. Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns obviously took care of business last night in blowout fashion. At home, game six is going to be in New Orleans. They'll look to close that out without Devin Booker. But what stands out to me in that series is I underestimated the Pelicans. I mm-hmm. said it would be a sweep. Um, oh. Brandon Ingram has been uh, a revelation, Mike. This this guy is taking advantage of his mismatches. Um, this this kid, both of those kids, um, Herb Jones and and also mm-hmm. Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Jose Alvarado has been pesky on, on, on Chris Paul all series long. They've made it hard for him. They've been harassing him. Um, DeAndre Ayton has played well in some sports, but you see Valencia Yunus and Jackson Hayes making it difficult for him. And, and I, I've, I've been impressed by Willie Green's team. Um, Willie Green is the substitute. We'll, we'll see if he actually gets the, the job full time. But my thing is this for the Pelicans. Zion Williamson, you see the, the clips, Mike. Pre-game, windmill dunk, 360, uh, this, that, and the third. If you are able to do that, Mike, pre-game, you can go out there and give me 10, 15 minutes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna have you on the limit restriction. I'm not gonna play you the full game. You can go out there and give me 10, 15 minutes because imagine if Zion was there without Devin Booker. You'd have your three man, right? You you'd have your little big three of Zion, Ingram, and McCullum. That's that 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 is a very, very solid trio right there. When you combine that with all the other pieces and role players that they have, like Larry Nance off the bench and some of these other guys, Devontae Graham off the bench. Zion, if Zion can do all that, Mike, he should be able to give you 10, 15 minutes. I don't know what's going on. Pelican medicals, uh, medical staff. I don't know if it's, it's Zion's in his own staff, his parents. I don't know what's going on out there in New Orleans. But if Zion Williamson was in this series, Mike, would would this would this be different? Would we look at this series different? Hmm. It's possible, you know, and you know, but um, you know, injuries are a part of it. Just like if Devin Booker was was um, was healthy for this series, we would look at it totally different. It probably would be over by now. So, right. I mean, it, it, you know, injuries are a part of it. It, it. it just is what it is. But uh, when it, when it comes to Zion, I mean. I think when it comes to Zion and you know some of the other players, um, Jamal Murray and players like that, players that got injured uh, close to the end of last season that came back that didn't really play at all this season and didn't get enough reps before the playoffs. A lot of teams are hesitant uh, to bring them in for their first game action during the playoffs, whether it is ten to fifteen minutes or not, just because the the high risk low reward factor of it. So I, I I'm not surprised that Zion hasn't played in the playoffs just off the strength that he hasn't played all season long. So just throwing him in the in the fire is high risk, low reward for an asset that you could potentially that you would want to bring back to your franchise long term or trade away for bigger for, for, for other assets as well. It's just it's just high risk, low reward for his value at this point. So uh, that's that's Zion. But as far as the Pelicans, yes, the Pelicans look very well, uh very well coached. They're playing tough in this series, giving giving all they can. But um, you know, they're just falling short to a more experienced team. A team that really boned up and won a, a must-win game in Game Five in the Phoenix Suns, and uh, and took care of business. So it's just it's one of those situations where even though they're playing as tough as they can, they're just running into a juggernaut of a team that's led by um, one of the best point guards we've ever seen in Chris Paul right now. Definitely there for sure. The, the future is bright for for New Orleans. I think C.J. McCollum's after spending what eight and a half years in 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 Portland, he's brought the leadership to this young team, and. They're gonna be a load, Mike. If if McCullum, Ingram, and Zion can be right, they're they're gonna be that that trio. They're young. If if and and I I would I would vouch for Willie Green as 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 a, a full time coach. I I I love what I've seen from him, galvanizing these guys. Obviously, you know he was a player, so he's played with the same team as Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. He was with that Clippers team, so I mm-hmm. I, I I and I I love his his stra- strategy what he's done too. I think he's a great young coach for those guys to mentor them. Um, they're going to be a load um, if, if Zion's healthy, right? 
Yeah. So that the, the, the future is definitely bright for them there as well. Um, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors. They got a chance to close out tonight, game five in the Bay Area in Chase Center in San Francisco. Um, have they been the best team, Mike, so far? Um, you talk about Jordan Poole, who's out there having a pool party with Steph, with Clay, with Dre. Have they been the best team thus far in these playoffs from what you've seen thus far? I can't say they've been the best team, but they've been uh, very uh, consistent in their approach and dominant in their approach. I can't really hold the slow start that they had in game four to them that much because when you're playing a team as competitive as Denver, there's going to be times where you have slow starts in this then and third, but they've been able to manage, you know, playing consistent ball the first two games and at home taking care of business and then going on the road, winning a tough game three and then coming back losing game four. But I would say the best team so far has been the Boston Celtics. I can't really say the Warriors have looked better than the Celtics the way the Celtics have looked on both sides of the ball. And uh, and completing the sweep, being the only team so far to complete a sweep. So the, the Celtics look like the best team so far, but the Warriors are not too far away. And it's still very early uh, with it being only just one round. So the Warriors, with, with their makeup and the way they play consistently, they have a chance to look like the best team uh, as we get further and closer closer to the finals and further deep down the playoffs. But, but the way they're playing right now, they, they look very good. The, uh, this series with the Nuggets, Jordan Poole is really uh, um, cementing himself and uh, really showing his full arsenal offensively and uh, within the system. He's a special basketball player, and they're unleashing him big time. It was great timing because of how Steph was, you know, coming off the bench, getting his legs under him. Jordan Poole gets unleashed, and he play, performs big time while Steph gets a chance to get his legs under him. Now he's had a couple thirty point performances, some uh, some big time shots knocked down. So now he's he's getting he's getting more and more back in rhythm as we get further um into the second round. So uh, I I love what I'm saying from the total package when it, uh, for the Warriors offensively and defensively. The fact that they got Draymond back playing some immense some great defense down the stretch in Game Three against Jokic. I mean, um, this team just seems to have the total system, total package going, and um they're they're a well oiled machine right now. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt about it. Uh, there for sure. Uh, Luka Doncic, Mike, what a show he put on tonight. Um, I said this is his best, uh, best, best, best chance to win his first playoff series. Um, Jason Kidd, I love what he's done. Going five out, very smart. Going five out, exposing mm -hmm. and making Rudy Gobert, the three three-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, a liability on defense. Jalen Brunson cooking them. You've got guys like Spencer Dinwiddie baking them on an, in an isolation. You've got Luka Doncic getting switched on him on an island and making him pay. If you watch the other night, this man's walking around after getting an N1 saying he can't guard me. And Luka Doncic, boy, this 23-year-old basketball maestro from, from Slovenia, Mike, he's, he's carved them up. Two games in, right? Two games yeah. into the playoffs, he hasn't even got his legs right. That's 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 scary. That's really scary. <clears throat> He's carved them up, and we'll, we'll see if Utah forces a game seven back in back to uh, uh, Dallas. Um, game six, I think, is is on Thursday in Salt Lake City. But um, Donovan Mitchell hasn't been hasn't been himself, Mike. You think about the, the Donovan Mitchell is on a list with Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson as the youngest players with high scoring averages in the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. This guy is a career, career, Mike, short career. He's a 32-point-per-game scorer in the playoffs. Kareem, Magic, Jordan. That's it. That, that, that's, that's all on that list. He hasn't been that. You got to credit what, 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 you know, Dallas is doing on defense to kind of, you know, make it tough on them, but guys like Jordan Clarkson hasn't stepped up. Bogdanovich hasn't stepped up. Conley hasn't stepped up. Warsaw O'Neal is is streaky. So, uh, what are you looking so far in this series? Oh, uh, what I'm looking at is Dallas. Uh, like you said, nobody's stepping up outside of Donovan, and Donovan has a lift up to his his, his 
previous expectations he set for us in the playoffs as far as what he brings to the table. He hasn't lived up to that as well, on top of the fact that his role players aren't giving him any help. So when you have that combination, it's usually a, it's usually a setup for disaster. Even with Luka Doncic not playing the first three games, it's still a setup for disaster because Jalen Brunson put on an absolute show. You had guys like him uh, kind of stepping up big, Spencer Dinwiddie stepping up big, Max Kleber knocking down uh, three-point shots like out of nowhere, uh, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith playing very well. Reggie Bullock, this team, this team looks very, uh, very good. And defensively, what they're doing to Mitchell, they're really making it tough for him as well. Dallas defensively, over the last three, three weeks, three months of the NBA season, was actually one of the uh, uh, one of the top teams defensively in the NBA. When you think about how they were winning games, uh, uh, you know, just just collectively how they were looking defensively, they, they were looking very sharp, and you're starting to see them key on Donovan Mitchell a lot. They know what they know what majority of the NBA knows. This team goes as Mitchell goes. If he's if you key on him, this team does. Nobody else from this team is going to beat you. They have no other threats outside of Mitchell. And um, once they picked up on that, even without Luka Doncic, all they had to do was put the scheme together, and everything made sense. The Utah, Sebby, the Utah Jazz would lie too much on the three point line throughout the regular season for us to believe that they're going to consistently knock those shots down when things get tight in the playoffs. So I, 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 there's no faith I have in the Utah Jazz until they split these guys up and get some real weapons in, in there. And uh, this series against the, the Dallas Mavericks, even without Duncan Doncic for the first three games, was the biggest proof of that. Definitely. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next game or even the next two games. Let's talk about John Morant, boys, because all he does, Mike, is jaw-dropping, jaw breathtaking, everything. This guy is unbelievable. I'm a fan, man. I, I, I. I, I I can sincerely say that, Mike. I'm a fan. I got this guy's jersey. I, I, after what I've seen this year, um, he, he goes from rookie of the year to MIP. And in the future, I can see MVP next to his name. This guy is special, Mike. He he is special. There's nothing this guy can't do. Um, when a huge knock on him was he wasn't a small school. He didn't get a lot of exposure. And the three-point shot, his three-point shot isn't there. And can he shoot in the league? Boy, I mean, he's 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 serviceable at the three-point line, but he might not have to do that, Mike, because the way this guy attacks the rim, the way that he he just – you talk about the energy, the edge, the tenacity that uh, to what this guy plays with. I think Minnesota squandered a golden opportunity losing that game five. Um, and, and, and now we're going back to Minnesota. We'll see if they can force a game seven. But to me – I, I think it has to do more with, with Ja and what he's done. Yeah, it's special, man. I mean, um, you know, that was, that was a resilient performance. When Jaron Jackson Jr. went out, I, I fouled out of the game. I, I thought it was going to be over and Minnesota was going to find a way to close him out. But Minnesota has shown their immaturity and lack of discipline throughout this series on multiple occasions. You think about game three, blowing two separate 25-point leads in the middle of the game. Uh, ultimately to lose it in the and lose it in the game in the fourth quarter, only scoring 12 points, and they're blowing that game. Then you have this game right here where you're dominating. Um, you're playing very well. It's back and forth, and you, you take a, a nice double-digit lead in the second half, and then you squander it in the fourth quarter, uh, struggling to find shots, struggling to close the game, struggling to be assertive when you with, with your stars and uh, you know who's going to take the last shot and things of that nature. Just all over the place the Minnesota Timberwolves were. They have the personnel to win this series. They they, they have the uh, the talent to win this series. However, they don't have the the discipline. They don't have the 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 the, the better coaching and the better awareness. Um, and maturity to win this series because there's there's just no no excuse for losing the game that they lost last night and um, losing the game three. This series should be over. However, it's not. Uh, you have a situation where you have to force a game six, and you could potentially get bounced out on your home floor because losing a game five the way they lost it, that that's a demoralizing type of loss that can bleed into game six. And that's what I worry about with this Minnesota Timberwolves team. I'll say this about John Moranto, Sebby, and I don't want to come off as a hater or anything like that. I just want it's something I'm noticing over time. John Moran is a great basketball player and I love his game. I love his mentality. I love his relentlessness. However, I am getting a little bit tired of seeing him getting bailed out. Um bailed out on certain calls that I feel like should be blatant offensive foul calls. And they and they call a blocking chart. They and they and they call a blocking for it. I mean, it's times where he's just getting going reckless, reckless abandon 
no control at all going to the to the rim, throwing anything up, and they're quickly to call a blocking foul. I mean, it, it's just it's you you see I've seen it multiple times. I'm starting to notice a trend, and I, I do believe that the the predictability of his offense and his game is gonna is gonna co- cause them some problems as they go further. But it's something that I don't like from the referees. Something I don't like that I'm noticing from the NBA is that John Moran is getting too many of these calls when it's blatantly obvious he's just going to the rim uncontrollably, throwing things up. But hats off the jaw for a huge game, a huge game-winning shot, a resilient comeback. And um, it looks like they have the mental edge and the fortitude to come out of this series and, uh, and, uh, and uh, so to win this game six. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick Beverly getting fouled out two minutes left. That also had a huge um, key in that matchup there as well. That actually wraps up segment one of our show. But when we come back, one of our main guys, my man, <laughs> our brother, Guru, joins us on our draft special, the Subby Podcast Radio Show. Only heard and hear once here on WNSC Radio. And we're back here on our second guest here today on this every podcast radio show. Our fan, we are fans of the fans of all entrepreneurs and small businesses that are all around the world. This podcast is not only sports related, Mike, but we also like to uh, shine light to some people that are impacting their communities there as well. We've got Aubrey Rogers here with us today uh, talking to, uh, to us about climate change and also um, what what it has impacting oil. So it's a pleasure to have you on here today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate that. So uh, first off, l- let us know, like, uh, wh- what's your backstory? How did, how did you get to um, where you're at today, obviously being Walid's, you know, uh, secondhand? So um, he approached me, and I just thought it would be a great fit for my life right now to help save the planet you know (laughs) and so that's how we basically met um it's kind of a long story don't want to have to get into too much detail but yeah so i'm here to spread the message about methane emissions and how they're one of the biggest threats to climate change awesome so talk to us about that like what what's what what does that entail because you think about climate change you think about um you know, you hear all these things about saving the earth, obviously, given the fact that, you know, uh, this month had Earth Day to deal with that. So talk to us about that um, in your roles and of what course. you guys try to achieve. So um, methane um, is wanted to be known to be 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And scientists actually believe that methane emissions can be the first dent to reverse climate change. Scientists also believe that we can engineer a reverse climate change. Um, it's Methane stays for a shorter duration in the air than carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide stays in the air for over 100 years, whereas methane stays in, in the air for about 10 years. And oil wells are actually the largest human contributor to methane emissions. And oil production currently, is currently responsible for about... 40% of methane emissions. So we are here to help reduce the problem by helping oil and gas companies reduce the methane emissions. Awesome. Definitely there. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Aubrey. Um, what's your view? What's your view on where we are today as far as far as like, um, you know, when you, when you hear situations like Warren Buffett faces a renewed climate change challenge by investors and things like that. We just had Earth Day not too long ago. Um, how, how impactful do you think Earth Day was, and, and where do you think we are now in 2022 with climate change? I think we're way behind on making a difference, but we could definitely make a difference if we start today. Little things add up. So I believe that if everyone were to contribute to helping the planet and reduce emissions or recycle or whatnot, whatnot, then I feel like Earth Day was a great way for everybody to realize that climate change is a big deal. 
you know, with weather changing, forest fires, whatever have you. Oh, okay. Awesome. Definitely there for sure. Um, I want to get your take on, um, you know, we, we talk about climate change, but how about some of the other aspects in life when you see um, people littering or garbage or, or when you go to a, a lake or, or like a natural pr- uh, preservation and you see like it's being destroyed with like sewage and things like that? What's, what's your take on that? Um. I'm not really expert in that area, but I do know that littering is obviously not good for the environment as animals or, you know, the lake, you know, there's certain things like just people know that are not good for environment. But um, like I said, I have no input on that and what people do with their business. (laughs) Um, So I just really focus on methane emissions and we help optimize oil and gas company for reducing the methane emissions. Definitely there for sure. I want to get your take on oil because obviously that's been a huge thing. And, <laughs> you know, that that's that's pretty much where we get all of our gas and stuff like that. What, what's your stance on oil prices and, or gas prices, should I say, <laughs> um, skyrocketing right now uh, in our economy? Uh, obviously, it's not good for everyone else. But... Um, I think that I am not specialized in that area. Also, I do believe that oil gas companies are making money from where oil comes from, such as Russia. Don't get all political, but I do know that um, ten tons of methane per oil well through the atmosphere, and the U.S. alone has around two million oil wells. So the global impact on that is pretty significant. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome there for sure. Um, you guys are doing some great things um, in your business uh, there as well, and I think that that's, that's you guys are doing some really, really, really neat things um, there for sure. Uh, yeah, as well. Um, sadly, obviously, Wallet couldn't come, so... Yeah, I'm here to fill in the best I can for him. Sorry if I can't get super technical with these questions. He is the expert, the AI intelligence expert, the engineering expert. <laughs> so definitely, definitely, there for sure. No doubt about that. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. And Thank you, um, sir. absolutely. And um, yeah, yeah I, 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 we really enjoy what you guys do. Are there any more questions I could answer? Yes, I have one question for you, Aubrey. Uh, when I was uh, when I was uh, in fifth grade, I remember I had a fifth grade teacher uh, when I growing up back in the, uh, the DMV area. I had a fifth grade teacher who introduced the idea of constantly cleaning out her recycle before she throws it in the recycling bin. Is that something that you you grew up doing, or is it, or seen or seen in the past, or and, and is that something that you advocate for people to do? Um, out here throughout the world? I think that if people are doing that, that's a great idea. I personally did not do that growing up, but everybody has their own methods of trying to reduce waste, I suppose. Um, so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that really answered your question, but. Yeah, no, it, it, def- it definitely did. I, it's just something that, it's just something that it really intrigued me because it was the first time I'd ever heard of Heard of a method like that or something like that uh, during that time? Because she was from New- upstate New York, and she said it was something that 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 was big in that in that area, and that's something that was that was actually very, very, uh, very normal. So I, I just wanted to know if that was something you've ever experienced or or have have seen or heard of in the in the past. I actually have not heard of that or experienced that, but that's a very interesting concept. And also, yeah. I did not really get to explain about how um, we help reduce the methane emissions from oil wells. Oh, oh wow! Uh, and that's, that's interesting. Uh, expand on that. So, um, my CEO Wally Nasir and a team of MIT scientists actually created a zero emissions plunger lift system using AI and IoT solutions for oil wells that help eliminate the methane venting during oil and gas drilling, while extending the equipment lifetime because the equipment can break down when you're venting methane. 
So we have been working on maximizing gas production for these gas companies and found that a significant amount of gas escapes through the atmosphere. So um, the oil wells are so hard to model from a physics standpoint. Our team has analyzed the pressure data from our gas and oil assets to develop, um, obviously, our AI-based solution to operate the plunger lift system installed in our oil, in the oil wells. So um, it zeroes, it, first of all, it zeroes out the methane emissions in, to the atmosphere by red, radically reducing the instances of methane leakages to atmosphere. Oh. And secondly, it reduces the equipment damage and drastically cuts down downtime and maintenance costs for these field engineers and enhances gas productions by a significant margin. So I'm not sure if that all makes sense, but that's how we are helping the oil and gas companies eliminate methane venting in atmosphere. Well, that's, 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 that's impressive there as well. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on and, and, and chopping it up with us and enlightening what you guys are doing um, there as well. Best of luck of you guys in your endeavors, and, and we appreciate having you on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, Aubrey. Take care. Take care. Bye. Yep. on our show on the second segment here today my boy guru the g to the u to the r to the u whatever you want to call it the streets voice out west like nipsey says the voice of the west the guru himself is here with us to dissect the nfl draft what's going on my brother it's the g to the u to the r to the u fellas man it's been a minute man Y'all just cancel me, man. You know y'all in the cancel culture. I felt like A-Rod with y'all, man, canceling me and shit. Nah, <laughs> we can never do that, my G. <laughs> you know you good. You know you good over here, brother. Well, yeah, good. man. It's, it's dry Christmas, man. Y'all know it's the Christmas Eve for me, man. So I'm I'm over here getting my food ready, getting the barbecue ready, man. I'm with the grilling out. We ready for tomorrow night, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Speaking of tomorrow night, you've been dissecting the NFL draft and these young guys since day one. Um, I, I love what you've been doing with keeping up and dissecting these guys with your film study. Who is who ideally is the best player in this draft? Guru? It's funny you ask me that question, man. Like, I've been, I looked over 200 and some. championship georgia bulldogs who had a big impact in that go ahead mike guru i want to get your take on a couple of teams one one in particular the green bay packers uh based on where do you think that they'll go um you know in the draft i know they have some needs at wide receiver offensive lineman maybe but also i want to know what you think about the kansas city chiefs as well because they lose in tyreek hill where, where do, you, do you do you think do you see a situation where they could possibly trade up to get a receiver or you know anything like that or like where, where do you see those two teams with the needs that they have, the Packers and the Chiefs? It's funny you you mentioned those two teams. They're in the same situation. You know, they're actually in the same situation as far as need. They will get a receiver. Both of them need a high-level receiver, and they have the receiver target that fits in their system, in my opinion, um, in this draft. So it's going to be weird. I'm actually looking at those two teams. 
because I have a feeling one of them got to make a move because I have a feeling they're identifying kind of the similar kind of players. So it's very interesting to see this, so for me to see which one of those teams traditionally is going to make a move. But traditionally, you normally see Kansas City with Brett Beach and Andy Reid usually move up and down the draft better than, say, the Green Bay Packers organization. But um, I'm really interested to see how that pan out. But I believe they're both looking for a receiver, and I believe they're both looking for the identically the same type of receiver. If they were to go the offensive lineman route, because about the, I, believe, I do believe both of them need to need offensive lineman help as well. What, 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 what's one? What's a, what, what's a couple of linemen that you think um, will, will be intriguing for both teams? And the thing about those teams right there, man, like those teams are not traditional. They don't draft for offensive linemen that high. They develop offensive linemen. So it's, mm-hmm. I don't see that. So it's hard for me to really say those teams in the first round. What about the quarterbacks in this draft, right? Uh, we know the Pittsburgh Steelers are looking for one. Uh, we know the Carolina Panthers are looking for one. Obviously, the New Orleans Saints have needs like that. There's been guys um, like uh, uh, Kenny Kenny Pickett, the, the kid from Pitt. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Desmond Ritter um, that's from Cincinnati. What's the quarterback class like this? Because this isn't like one of the best quarterback classes coming out, but where do you see fit from some of these guys? See, in a situation like this, we don't have, in a sense, we don't have no no bus driver, in a sense, as a quarterback. We don't have the guy that's going to lead you like, I don't need help. You know what I'm saying? Most of all the quarterbacks that we have in this draft prospect, they need help. They need other players. They need a great defense. You know what I'm saying? They need a complete team around them. So I don't necessarily see an elite quarterback, in a sense, uh, but I do see guys that if you put pieces around them, um, they could be very, very competitive. You, you, I, I see a few Dak Prescotts in this draft. You know what I mean? I see a Kirk Cousins in this draft. I see guys like that. I don't see the, the Russell Wilsons and, and those guys of those calibers. So, you know, the Desmond Ritter, I'm not really a big fan of Desmond Ritter, to be honest with you. I, I know you mentioned his name. I saw him play quite a bit in Cincinnati this year. They were highly teaming. They had a lot of NFL prospects. So I was able to see him. Um, honestly, I think he's a backup. He's one of those, you know, a long-term NFL backup. Um, but um, really, I, my, the guys I'm intrigued I'm intrigued with, with um, the guy from Old Mets. I think he could be a very productive quarterback if you put the pieces around him. I think with Sam Corral, that's his name, or some Corral, Matt Corral or something. Dallas, I think, yep. Yeah, Matt Corral. Yeah, I call him the Golden Corral, man. If you if you've <laughs> yeah. ever been in the South, you know what I'm saying? You don't know what I'm talking about, man. That's my Golden Corral. I think he could be sneaky. When, and those guys, if you put him in an organization like New Orleans, you put guys like that in an organization like Pittsburgh, you're going to get guys like Kirk Cousins production. And we all know Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, I mean, like it or not, but those guys are, you know, in a sense, stable traditional quarterbacks franchise quarterback. So in a sense, if I'm Pittsburgh, yes, those are stable organization where they usually don't have, they're not quarterback centric, meaning they usually have offensive linemen. They got defense. They got receivers. They got weapons around those guys. So I think those organizations could draft guys like a Kenny Pickett because they know how to basically um, develop quarterbacks. But such organization like the Washington football team, you know, teams like that that have historically don't know how to quarterbacks. I yes. think those whoever draft whichever those young quarterback goes in an unstable situation, I don't see no success. Definitely, definitely there for sure. Talk to me about your favorite position, and that's the DBs, the DBs and the safety. This is a very, very good, very good draft for corners and safeties, especially DBs in this class. And one of my favorite guys in this draft is Sauce Island Gardner. That's what I call mm. him. I call him Sauce Gardner. This is a guy, Guru. The thing I love about Sauce Gardner, I'm going to tell you all, fellas, man. Oh, man. The kid got perfect size, you know? Um, he got great size, great ability, great agility, man. But, you know, is he my favorite corner? No. No, no, no. And I really see a few flaws, man, on this guy's game that I really don't, I really don't like. Oh. Yeah, some one of my surprise players I really like is uh, Maryland safety Nick Cross. 
I think I really love his skill set, man. I, I mean, he's, obviously, you saw what he did at the combine. This guy plays extremely fast, and he's got when, when he sees, he attacks, man. So he pulls the trigger fast. I love his aggressive nature. And I also love one of my favorite um, second defensive back in the whole draft is um, Baylor's safety, Jalen uh, um, Petrie. So if you think about, if you're looking about Tyron Matthew, I know we all love Tyron Matthew. This dude from Baylor, Jalen Petrie, is probably the closest to Tyron Matthew I scouted in, in a while, bro. This kid is a player maker, shaker. He does everything right. Look for him to go early in the second round, man. Um, um, as far as linebacker, there's a couple of linebackers. This kid from Wyoming, his name is Chad Muma. Man, this dude is an animal, bro. He's a tackling machine. I mean, this dude is going to average about 150 tackles. He reminds me of a, of a Zach Thomas back in the days in Miami Dolphins, Zach Thomas. So look out for Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma. He's also one of them high, high rising prospects. Like I really like watching in this draft, man. Definitely, definitely there for sure, man. Always enjoying all the insights that you give us, my man, about all draft night tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Live uh, from where? Where, where? Where's the draft night this year? It's Vegas, dog. It's Vegas. Oh, yeah, it's in Vegas. They're getting, us, they're getting ready for us for August. Yeah, yeah they're getting they're ready for us in August there for sure. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Guru, man. Always a pleasure uh, having us, uh, having you on, brother. Absolutely. I always appreciate you guys, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. You know what it is, Guru. We'll get up with you. All right, y'all. Y'all have a great show now. You be safe. together like a close like a tight knit you saw the outcome you saw how bad it looked and they have to get back to the drawing board they have to understand that you know uh sitting out games or you know this then the third or, or thinking that you know just a few trades is going to win you things is not you have to go through the process of getting knocked down and hopefully getting swept and getting knocked on your back will bring the best out of two of the most gifted scores we've ever seen in this game so that's what i'm looking forward to that's what I wanted to say with all the hoopla that's been going on with the, the Nets this week. Just wanted to give some, give those affirmations to them and let them know that times like these actually breed champions. And these are actually positive times when you really look at them, um, you know, when it's all said and done. So you can learn from this situation and you really grow from this situation. So um, don't be surprised if the Nets bounce back from this uh, in years to come as far as looking like a more cohesive unit. Yep, definitely, definitely, no doubt about that. Definitely there for sure there. We've got some great matchups tonight, my man. We've got potentially second-round action over the weekend. Yes. It's, it's, it's a good time to be alive in basketball right now. Anything that you're looking, you're, you're, you 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 have your eye on that you're paid, that you know, you, 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 you're really looking like, like in detail, like you're really patiently looking um, that's got your attention over the weekend before we leave here. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the matchup, the potential intriguing matchup of the Celtics versus the Bucks. As of how special both these teams are. And um, I actually predicted earlier in the season when I was asked on another podcast, what playoff matchup you would be most intrigued to see. I actually said the Celtics versus the Bucks because of the matchup and because of how these teams play. I just thought that would make for some of the best seven-game series we've seen in a long time. So that's something I'm looking forward to because even without Chris Middleton, this Bucks team is not going to be an easy out to take out. And your Boston Celtics are going to have to bring their A game uh, to do it, and it's going to be fun to watch. It's really going to be a show, and that's what I'm looking forward to, breaking down the, the details and the science of who would come out of that matchup on top. Definitely, definitely, there for sure. Uh, I, I know the guys are ready for it, and I'm ready for it. You want to spill any beans, Mike, and any, any early predictions on a Celtics on a Celtics Bucks uh, uh, preview? 
Yes. Yes, I would say I would pick right now. Right now, I would pick the Bucks. Okay. Even without Middleton, I would pick the Bucks to win and potentially seven or six, just because of that championship experience, man. Finding a way to get it done. However, it would be tough because this Boston team is very lethal. But I would pick the Bucks. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SavvyPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, The Sebby Podcast is wherever you go.